So read along with me as I read from Psalm 19, an amazing psalm, as are they all. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors, his own errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless. And I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, a psalm of David. Let's pray together. Father, we give you glory. What a glorious God you are. The God of all creation. The God who has revealed himself through creation but also through your word. Your word, Father. God, you have spoken. God, through creation, we are not saved. But through the knowledge of creation, through the hand of God in creation, we are deemed without excuse. Yet through your word, your glorious word, we know it is sufficient to save, to bring salvation to the lost. And God, we thank you for that. God, open our eyes today to the truth of your word. God, speak to those that have not been born again. Speak to us, believers, that we would continually and faithfully be conformed to your image. We pray above all that you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 19 is a profound testament to Scripture. It's really a miniature of Psalm 119, a psalm that contains 176 verses revealing God's revelation. Psalm 19, although much shorter, contains 14 verses that speaks of God's revelation and his glory. 
Psalm 19 speaks to inspiration, inerrancy, and sufficiency of Scripture. Throughout history, the history of Israel, and most of the history of the church, this view of inspiration has been the view that all Scripture is God-breathed, that God is the source of Scripture. But in the late or middle, really, 1800s, post-Reformation, during the days of the Enlightenment, when philosophers of human reason began to promote man as the authority rather than the Word of God, German skeptics began to attack the Scriptures. Today, many years later, we're still living in the devastation of human reason of critical interpretation in which man becomes the judge of God's word rather than seeking to know its meaning by the illumination of the spirit. You would think this issue would have been settled when a group of scholars met and studied and prepared and eventually published the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy in 1978. But not so. Maybe for some... But today in particular, many have forgotten this conclusion these scholars came to, which we knew all along. And we as Christendom today are right back to where we started before 1978. We're back to the days of modernism in which the word of God is not the authority. Today, even the evangelical church for the most part, have de-emphasized Scripture because they view it as less than the inspired, inerrant, sufficient Word of God. Many think that they're judges of it, of what is true, what should be accepted, and what should be rejected. They become critics, or they have become critics, of anything and everything that does not fit modern thinking. Yet Psalm 19, a psalm of David, the very word of God, gives us a profound testament to the inspiration that it's God-breathed, the inerrancy that it's without error, and that it is sufficient. It's sufficient for faith and practice. Although this psalm has two sections, verses 1 through 6, verses 7 through 14, It is a unified song concerning the revelation of God and His glory. In verses 1 through 6, we see the revelation of God in His world. Theologians call it general revelation. It's revelation by means of God's handiwork, His creation. Verses 7 through 14, we see the revelation of God in His word or special revelation. It is spoken, written, revelation of God. Charles Spurgeon said, he is wisest who reads both the world book and the word book as two volumes of the same work and feels concerning them, my father wrote them both. I like that. American theologian Albert Barnes writes or wrote, the revelations of nature and the higher revelation of inspiration belong to the same system of religion and are alike designed to illustrate the being, the perfections, and the government of God. In verses 1 through 6, God is revealing, present tense, revealing himself through his creation. Verse 1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. 
Genesis 1-8 says, or let me say it this way. In Genesis 1-8, God called the expanse heavens. They are synonymous. Now, here's an interesting note. It's something that I came across when working for Creation Ministries International. Expanse is the Hebrew word rakia, and it means one of two things in Hebrew, either an expanse, as we would think of it, or a firmament, as in the vault of heaven supporting waters above. And that's precisely, as you read through Genesis 1, that's precisely the view that you get there. Some have supposed that this water above the rakia came down at the beginning of the flood when the windows of heaven were open. But 1,500 years after the flood, the psalmist in Psalm 148 refers to the waters that are above the heavens. It's also interesting that in Genesis 1.14, God placed the lights, the sun, the moon, and stars in the firmament, the rakia. I remember the staff at CMI shaking their heads at this. They could not figure it out. And I'm not suggesting that I know the answer either. All I know for sure is this. God is revealing his glory through creation, his handiwork. By the heavens, by the skies above. All you need to do is look up. Day or night. God's glory is on display. The person of God is revealed through the works of his hands. Verse 2 says, day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. You see, day after day, the sky speaks to us. It speaks to all. There's none hidden from the sky. It speaks of an intelligent, divine creator. In particular, it speaks of God's creative power and Godhead. Night after night, his divine knowledge is revealed. The stars and the moon reveal order. They reveal the wisdom and the power and the knowledge of God. Verse 3 through 4a, there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line, the word is measuring line, has gone out through all the earth. Their utterances to the end of the world you see the heaven speaks to all the sky above proclaims God's glory to all there's none hidden from the sky day the sky at day or the sky at night they proclaim the glory of God to all there's none hidden from the voice of God's creation Next, David zeroes in on God's glory revealed by the Son in verse 4b through 6. He writes, In them he has placed a tent for the Son, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Here David uses beautiful figurative language to describe God's perfect knowledge, his provision of the sun. He describes the sun as coming out of a tent, a dwelling place. Look at this. Notice this. Like a bridegroom leaving his father's house on a predetermined journey to go for his beloved, to go after his bride, to bring her back. 
He's young. He's strong. He runs his course. And he goes after his betrothed with purpose, determination. The course is set for him, and nothing will stop him. What a beautiful analogy of the sun God created and its daily course. Verse 6 again says, It's rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit. The word circuit means coming around. His coming around is to the other end of them, and there's nothing hidden from his heat. Every day the sun comes around. It runs its course. We do not have to question whether the sun will come up or go down. God who is faithful created a son who is faithful. God who is precise created a son that is precise. It always brings light. It always brings heat. The blessing of heat and warmth is sure. You don't have to question it. Did you know that without the sun that we would be at or near absolute zero? 459.67 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Yet the sun provides the perfect amount of heat. It doesn't burn up. It doesn't allow us to freeze. And it has been faithful. It has been precise, I believe, for 6,000. The Word of God teaches for 6,000 years. I don't think there's any question about it. It doesn't matter about geology. It doesn't matter about radiometric or radioisotope dating. We know the sun, the earth, the universe is 6,000 years old. The Bible tells us so. All creation puts on display the glory of God. Just as the heat from the sun warms all, God's glory is apparent to all through creation. It reveals, all creation reveals the person and the work of God, His handiwork. What does Paul say about God's creation? Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Understand, as glorious as God's creation is, as glorious as the heavens are, men are not saved by looking at creation and seeing God. By seeing his handiwork, but through God's handiwork in creation, men are without excuse because God has clearly revealed himself through his creation. Did you hear the words of the Apostle Paul? Did you hear the word of God? The revelation of God deems you without excuse. It deems me without excuse, of course, apart from Christ. When you stand before God, if he says, I never knew you and cast you into hell, you will have no legitimate basis for complaining. You will have no le legitimate excuse. You are without excuse. God, even the person in a country that never hears the gospel of Jesus Christ is without excuse because the heavens declare the glory of God. In verses one through six, we have now seen the revelation of God in his world, which is only sufficient to condemn. But in verses 7 through 14, we will begin this morning to see, and we will not get through this, we will see the revelation of God in his word, which is sufficient to save. 
God's word reveals the person and the work of God. Psalm 138, 2, for you have magnified your word together with your name, together with your name. Beginning in this section, David gives us six statements, six statements about scripture in verses seven through nine. The Lord gives us six unified yet specific statements, different statements concerning his word. Notice these statements include six titles for scripture, law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, judgment. Each of these titles are followed with the words of the Lord, literally of Yahweh, of the eternal self-existing one, the self-sufficient one. Why because why of the Lord? Because scripture comes from God. God is the source of scripture. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is God breathed. God is the source of scripture. God has spoken and he's spoken clearly. He's spoken in his word. His word is inerrant and sufficient. This is not a human book, folks. It was written down by human hands, but it's not a human book. It is God-breathed. God is the source of Scripture. It is God's book. The Lord, through David, also gives us six descriptions of Scripture. It is perfect. It is sure. It is right. It is pure. It is clean. It is true. And finally, David gives us six benefits of Scripture. Listen carefully. It restores or transforms the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever. It is righteous altogether, or literally, it produces righteousness. In these six statements... The inspiration, inerrancy, and sufficiency of Scripture is put on display. The Word of God is all we need to know. It is all that we need for life and godliness. Let's look at each of these, or at least the first four today. Verse 7a, the law, the Torah of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The word Torah means divine instruction. Not infallible instruction like comes from men, but instruction that is perfect. James calls it the perfect law, James 1.25. This is not perfect, though, as opposed to imperfect, but perfect as opposed to incomplete. It means all-sided, all-sided so as to cover all aspects. It's everything it needs to be. It's comprehensive. But what for? It's comprehensive. It's all-sided to restore the soul, the nephesh, the real inner person. The Scripture targets its power to the inner man, the soul, the real man. It restores the real man. The Hebrew word restore can be translated a number of ways, at least five. Revive or restores we see in the new american standard refresh convert and maybe the best is for this context is transform and it implies total transformation divine instruction 
is so comprehensive, so complete, that it totally transforms the inner person of a wicked, sinful man, making him a new creation in Christ Jesus. The scriptures target the soul, and when the soul is transformed, everything else is transformed. The mind, the will, the behavior is transformed. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again. That's regeneration. You have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. The seed of the Word of God is planted, and when it is planted in a cultivated heart, a heart prepared for the Word, the Word transforms It's life-giving. It produces fruit, the fruit of righteousness, a changed life. Transformation. Transformation comes by the Word of God. Salvation comes by the Word of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.23, the church is washed with the water of the Word. See, the Word is cleansing and it's transforming. This is why it's so important that we proclaim the word of God to all who will listen. That we're faithful. That we don't give up on people. But we keep planting and watering the word of God. This is why it's so important that we receive as believers. That we receive the word of God with all readiness. And we search the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. If you've not been born from above. Would you like your inner person transformed? The real you changed. It's not turning over a new leaf. It is a transformation that comes from God by his word. Would you like to be a new person in Christ Jesus? You see, this is the work of God by means of his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we come to the second statement in 7b. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The scripture is God's testimony. The word means witness, and his witness is sure. It's faithful. The word of God is God's testimony of of who he is, really, what he has done, and what he does in the hearts of one that comes to him in faith. Remember in 2 Peter, Peter said that he was with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. He had that experience. He saw him there in his glorified state. But then he says, we have a more sure word, referring to Scripture, which came not by any private interpretation, but men spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. You see the importance of Scripture That's why this church is centered around the Word of God. God works through His Word. People must hear and believe and obey His Word. David speaks of a more sure word here in Psalm 19. In contrast, we could say to the unsure testimonies of men. Men are often liars or are ignorant of the real truth. Notice what this more sure word will do. It makes wise the simple. It makes wise the simple. A simple-minded person is a person with the door of their mind wide open. Never say, I guess it depends on context, but I don't think we should ever say, I want to have, I want to be open-minded. 
That's the definition of the simple, especially in the Psalms. It's a person with a wide open mind, willing to take or open to take everything in. That's not wisdom. That's without discernment. But what the, I mean, the logical question becomes, what must we take in and what must we exclude? Psalm 119, 98 through 100, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age because I have observed your precepts, commandments, insight, testimony, precepts. It's talking about the word of God. You see, we don't need the word of sinful man. We don't need the testimony of sinful man. We need a more sure word of prophecy, a word of God, the word of God that makes men wise that gives him skill and living. That's wisdom. It's knowing God. It's skill and wisdom. God is the only wise God, and his word is his personal testimony. Verse 8a, the next, the third statement, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Precepts are basically doctrines. They are statutes of the Lord. They're deficient. Official decrees as from a ruler. And here in Psalm 19, those decrees come from a sovereign ruler. They're not meant to take it or leave it. These are truths that come with the weight of divine authority. Notice in verse 8, these precepts are right. Not right as opposed to wrong. Rather, it's a right path. It's doctrine that lays out a right path. It puts us on a right path. The psalmist said again, 119, that more uh more uh ex right 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 word that broader psalm let's just say that psalm 119 105 the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path so in a sense doctrinal truths that he's referring to here in verse 8 are the path the lamp and the light the light that comes from the lamp here in Psalm 19, the precepts or statues are a lighted path. They are the right path. They're the path that everyone should desire to be on, the path in life, so that we no longer walk in darkness. We don't want to be on a dark path, walking in ignorance, walking in the ways of the world, but walking in the light of truth and purity. May we never walk in darkness. We don't want to be unsure about our footing, our direction. We need to be on the right path. Lighted by the word of the living God. Lighted by God's truth. Notice the benefit. Because the precepts of the Lord are the right path. Lighted by his word, they rejoice the heart. See, when you're on the right path, you're no longer concerned about wrong steps. You're no longer concerned that you're going the wrong direction. You're no longer worried about the world's pitfalls, the things that they would face on a dark path. You're walking in the truth. 
You're walking in reality. Truth is reality. Reality as things as things really are. It's God's perspective. You're walking according to God's statutes. You're walking according to the truth of God's word. It's the only path that produces joy in life. Every other path produces grief and sorrow and frustration. The statues or truths of Scripture are the right path that produces joy. And folks, we're talking about true joy, joy that can only come from God. Everyone rejected Jeremiah's words. (laughs) Nobody listened to him. But Jeremiah said to God, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me joy and the delight of my heart. It didn't matter about the people around him. He had been faithful to proclaim God's word, but his joy was not based upon the response of others. His joy came from delighting in the word of God. You see, joy doesn't come through the things of this world. It does not come through fleshly pleasure. It does not come from material gain. It does not come from power or position or success. It comes to the truth of God's word, known and obeyed. When Philip explained Isaiah 53 to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, he believed and was baptized, and he went on his way rejoicing, didn't he? Jesus said in Luke 11, Blessed, happy are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's real joy. You want to have joy and peace in your heart. Believe the word of God and obey it. Do it with all your heart. And we'll do one one more today. I hate to stop in the middle of these, but... We need a little bit left to tie into the past and move to the, the verses 10 through 14, I guess, next week. He writes, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. A commandment is a direction that comes with authority. It's a mandate. Commandments include blessings for those who obey and cursings. For those who disobey, David here refers to God's word as a commandment and says it is pure. But the word here in this context means clear, pure in the sense of clear, transparent, or even easily understood. Theologians call it the perspicuity of scripture, but really it speaks of clarity. You see, the commandment of the Lord gives clear direction for life. There are no excuses for those who say they do not understand the Scriptures, not for believers who have been indwelled by the Spirit that illuminates God's Word. Paul wrote most of his epistles to Gentiles who had been saved out of paganism. Many of these newly saved And he writes the word of God. They had been saved out of ignorance. They had no biblical background. They didn't understand the Old Testament scriptures. Yet God had enlightened their eyes so that they could see, so that they could understand the word of God, so that it was clear to them. David wrote, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Christians are those who really understand God's word. There's a distinction. Of course, there's learning. 
we need hermeneutics. That's why we're doing the hermeneutics class. But you can listen to any person that's truly been born again, and they will say that the moment they were saved, God opened their eyes. It was totally different. They understood the Word of God. Christians are those who really understand the Word. Their eyes have been opened. The veil has been taken away. His mandates are clear. They're transparent. They make sense. They're understood. You see, the believer sees things from God's perspective because we have the mind of Christ. We see things as they really are. See, the world is walking in darkness, and they don't see. We will complete Psalm 19 next week. But let's sum it up this way. The heavens are telling. The heavens are telling. Present tense of the glory of God. But that revelation cannot save you. That revelation of God reveals God. But it can only condemn you. Yet God has spoken in his word. His word is sufficient to save. And this is what God through King David said about his word, the law, the Torah of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The divine instruction of the Lord covers every aspect, transforming the heart, in other words. He also said the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In other words, the witness of the Lord is sure, giving wisdom to the foolish so that they no longer have an wide-open mind. But they take in the truth and filter out the lies. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. In other words, the statues, the decrees of the Lord are the right path, causing the heart joy. Then he says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In other words, the mandates of the Lord are transparent. We can see them. We understand them. They bring light to our eyes. They enlighten our eyes. Next week, we will finish the six statements. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. We will see that the word of God is valuable, more valuable than gold. It is sweet, sweeter than honey. Only the word can reveal our sins. Only the word can make us blameless in his sight. And then in verse 14, we will see David's prayer to his rock and his redeemer, that he might be acceptable in God's sight. That was his prayer. You see, true followers of Christ abide in his word. It is to be the practice of those who have a new heart. You see, God, through Christ, through regeneration, gives us a new heart. It's the new covenant. And our desires are changed by His grace so that we love Him and we love His Word. It is precious to us. It's more valuable than gold. It is sweeter than honey. I appreciate Cameron posting this week a reading plan, and there are many different there's so many different ways, but we all need to be in the Word of God. I also posted the Robert Murray McShane reading plan this morning. I encourage you to read the Word of God. You can go through a plan like this. One of the things that MacArthur has talked about, I saw, and I'm talking about it years ago, that he will take a book 
And you can only do this with short books unless you have a lot of time. But read that book every day for 30 days. And it's amazing what you see. Some people, and I think we should try to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe not every year, but we need to be reading all the time, every day, if we possibly can. This is an opportunity. We're seeing God reveal himself through his word. If you want to really know him. Even as a believer, we are to grow in the knowledge of Him. We are to be filled up with His fullness. If you want to truly know Him, read His Word. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Our faith is grown. It's strengthened through the Word of God. Read it. Study it. Listen to it being preached. Listen to it being read. Meditate upon it. Obey it. Love it. It's the word of the living God. God has spoken. Yes, he's spoken through creation, but he has mostly revealed himself in his holy word. Read it. Study it. Obey it.